0: Welcome to Shore Street Presbyterian Church Podcasts. You are listening to the Moore Conference 2020, Arousing the Church to Awaken a Nation. Good evening, everybody. Good, evening. Good to be with you. Uh, and nice to meet you guys that are here for the first time this weekend or whatever. Uh, folks, let me just begin by uh, telling you a wee story uh, about. Have you heard the story of the little kitten? Have you heard that story? Story of the Little Kitten, View? Story of the Little Kitten? Okay, well the story of the little kitten, right, this didn't happen to me, even though it's about a better pastor, it's not me, okay? But there, there was a pastor, and he was uh, playing with his family in the back garden, they were having a great time, uh, and they had a little kitten, and the little kitten started to climb the tree in the middle of the garden, and uh, the little kitten went up the tree, very happily, but right at the top of the tree, the kitten got its head stuck between two branches, and they had absolutely no idea how to get the kitten down and it was a very difficult tree for anyone to climb and it was too high to use a ladder. So what they managed to do is they managed to, to lasso a rope uh, up to right the top of the tree and then the very intelligent, because ministers, as you know, are, are very intelligent men, okay, or women sometimes, uh, and they managed to, to, to tie that other end of the rope onto the ministers uh, four by four, obviously a richer minister than me uh, and then he started to, to drive the car and the tree just started to bend down you know and, and drag it down, the wee kitten was getting closer to the ground so the more the car moved, car moving, moving, tree bending, bending, car moving, moving, tree bending, bending, kids ready to get the wee cat and all that sort of stuff, the wee kitten and suddenly the rope snaps, <laughs> okay and the little kitten goes off into the distance and, uh, and that's the end of the story, uh, well no it's not actually because the minister on his visits two weeks later uh, walked into a house uh, and he looked down at his right hand side walking in through the door and he said, that's a lovely kitten you have there madam and she says oh thank you very much, he says how long have you had that kitten, she says two weeks. Okay, and he says, and how did you come to have that kitten? And she said, well, I was in the back garden sunbathing. And uh, the child came up to me and said, can we please have a kitten? And I said, no. Can we please have a kitten? I said, no. Third time, just get on your knees and ask Jesus for one. And you'll never guess what happened. Yeah. That's a, true, that's a true story, <laughs> possibly. Okay, folks, I, I, I want to talk to you a, a, about, about this, um, that uh, an archbishop called William Temple said, when I pray coincidences happen, when I don't, they don't. Okay, when I pray coincidences happen, when I don't, they don't. And, and you know, as we look at our, our next slide, just to give anyone who wasn't here... Uh, last night, a little bit of a flavour of what we're thinking about. You know our theme written behind these lovely people here is, is we're arising the church to awaken the nation. Uh, and I'm suggesting that this actually might be a good verse to think about as we're thinking about that vision. Because what we're saying is that what is awake- oh, sorry. What is awakening a nation? It's about that every house in Donegadee and the surrounding towns that across this nation would know that heaven is listening would know that heaven has forgiveness for them and heaven has healing and restoration for them. And and God says that if the people of God do some things, that he will deliver this awakening. That's what this verse says. If my people who are called by my name, and we thought last night about that as our identity, that we are the people called by his name. And then what are we to do if we would humble ourselves and pray? And seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, he will bring about this awakening. So there's an if. If we do that, he will bring about an awakening in Ireland, on this island. He'll do that. So I suggested that our identity is so important. We need to realize who we are as this army of God but also that we have a responsibility and we have a priority. And tomorrow night we'll think about our priority, but tonight we're going to think about our responsibility. And key to our seeing this awakening happen in Donegah and beyond is that we would humble ourselves and pray. That we would humble ourselves and pray. And I want to encourage you folks tonight that we need to recapture this gift of prayer if we've lost it, and maybe some of us have never really known what it is to be in prayer, but tonight I want to encourage you that we need to, all of us of every age, humble ourselves and pray, and that's one of the keys to an awakening in this area and across the nation. I wonder, are you a bit like me, and you really, you know, you're like a sort of a a, a wee child that always asks, why? 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 Uh, put up your hand if you passed your driving test first time. Okay. Put up your hand if you passed your driving test the second time. Okay. Right. Okay. Put up your hand if you passed your driving test the third time. Okay. <laughs> Same. Okay. Now put up your hand if it took you more than three times to pass your driving test. Any, oh here. How, how many? How many times? Four times? Three or four or, five. Three or four or five? You can read five, I think, there. Any, any advances on five? Any advances? Five the most? Five the most? I, I know a girl that had 130 driving lessons. 130? Um, I, I passed on the third time. Do you know, I, I blame completely my driving instructor, right? <laughs> because she, I, she kept on telling me, look at that mirror, look at that mirror. And I said to her, what am I looking for? She said, just look at it. Just look at it, just look at that one, look at that. I didn't know what I was looking for. And folks, I suppose prayer's a bit had been a bit like that for me in a whole lot of my Christian life. I became a Christian at 13 now, I'm 37. That's awful. Uh, but, you know, I've been a Christian a long time. For a long time, I didn't get prayer. Uh, I wonder, have you heard the story about a, a minister and sometimes ministers get invited to people's house for lunch. It's a really good idea isn't it Alvin? Really, really good idea. Okay, Uh, ministers get invited to people's house for lunch and this minister was was invited to this family's house for lunch Uh, and the lunch was fine, it was absolutely fine but when the minister went home, the wife became obsessed with the idea that the minister had stolen one of her very fancy spoons. Okay, she was absolutely obsessed with it and for a year, this woman was struggling with this. Every time he got up to preach, she thought, you have my spoon. No, oh, you stole my spoon, you boy. You know, all sort of thing. Preach on tithing. You're one to talk about tithing. My spoon in your pocket. Okay, it really got into her mind. A year later, she invited him back again for lunch. Uh, she said, she just couldn't bear it any longer. She said, I don't suppose you ever noticed a spoon at all on your person. He said, yeah, actually hit it in that Bible on the coffee table. It's really bad, isn't it? Now, Alvin told me he's tried that a number of times in this area. <laughs> no, he has not. That, that's, that's just a wee joke. Uh, folks, you know, I honestly feel, I see, for the first part of my Christian life, I thought it was just kind of Christian homework. Yeah, you know, I really did. You know, you have to read a bit of the Bible and say a wee prayer and all that sort of stuff, sort of Christian homework. And I suppose I uh, was sort of on a journey uh, in my early Christian life, trying to figure out what is prayer actually about. And you know, uh, we had an Alpha course in, in a church uh, that I was part of in Lisburn. We had a, we had an Alpha course in the church. Have we done Alpha? Most of us, you know, what it is, anyway. And you know. Everybody, we were in the church and I asked them about prayer and everybody thought prayer was great, you know, kind of thing. Uh, And we went through a really frustrating course where nobody seemed to have any doubts or any struggles or anything like that. Then we moved it outside the church and people started to become a bit more honest. Uh, And we moved it to a a southeastern regional college and the same people that thought God always heals suddenly off church premises took off the masks and were a bit more honest. Okay, So we're in the hall tonight so we can be honest. We struggle with prayer, don't we? We struggle with prayer, many of us. We really, really, really struggle. I mean, a a commentator uh, that I really like or a writer that I really like, he says that when we start to pray, these monkeys start to jump about in our brain. We think about a hundred things rather than the the one thing uh, of seeking God in prayer. But yet we all think it's really important, don't we, on a level uh, even though we don't maybe do it so much. And we know stories like, I mean, I read a story in a, recent, in a book by Pete Gregg just a few nights ago, and I was talking about how when the, when the Berlin Wall fell, uh, that there were, there were hundreds of thousands of people praying. You know, 300,000 people praying. And apparently the communist officials were prepared for every eventuality except candles and prayers. And the famous quote, the hinge of history is the bended knee. And we all think that on a level, don't we? Give me an amen. Is prayer important? Amen. Amen. Yes, of course. Now, tell me, if you heard a fire alarm going off in the middle of the night, who would get up here? Who would get up? Okay. Okay, put up a hand really high if you would would get up if you heard a fire alarm. These teenagers, they wouldn't get up. They don't care. Just let the place burn. I'm not getting up. Okay, there's a fire retardant blanket. I'll be fine. Okay. Um, right, but here's the reality. The fact that we would get up is because we actually believe that getting up in the middle of the night to check on that wee fire is, is going to make a difference. But there's a reason why we don't get up to pray. And it's because somewhere in us we don't actually believe that it makes a difference. Is that, is that a fair bit of logic? If we really believed that prayer could change things, would we not do it so much more? If we really believed, I mean, we're, we're, I'm sure people here are praying about the Australian bushfires. You know, I'm sure we are. And I mean, some of the scenes have been awful. But if you haven't prayed, well, let me tell you, you don't believe in prayer. That's just me being totally honest. You don't believe in prayer. Because who wouldn't pray if they thought that it would make a difference? We all would, wouldn't we? But on some level, we doubt it. We doubt that it really works. We doubt that it really makes a difference. Well, I want to show you, uh, if we move on to the next slide, please, guys. Move on to another one, please, thank you. I want to show you two quotes. And I want you to have a quick conversation around your table. That's why we're having 48 minutes tonight instead of 30. No, I'm joking. Okay, I want you to have a quick conversation. And these are two very, very strong quotes from two amazing writers and preachers and leaders, okay? Um, But I think some people here will think they're too strong. But I want you to to read them and I want you to have a quick chat around your table on whether or not you really agree with this or not. Okay, let's, let's start with the first one because that's a quick one, right? Ready for a wee chat? God does nothing except in response to believing prayer, right? One, two, three, have a conversation. He does nothing, nothing at all except in response to believe in prayer. Okay, folks, let's, let's move on to the second quote, right? A bit of a longer one, but just stick with me. This is by a, an, an unbelievable writer on prayer. Just listen up to this week, quote, God shapes the world by prayer. The more prayer there is in the world, the better the world will be. The mightier the forces of prayer. Sorry, many are forces against evil. The prayers of God's saints are the capital stock of heaven by which God carries on his great work upon the earth. God conditions the very life and prosperity of his cause on prayer. Okay? Have a wee think about that. I know it's a bit more wordy and I know I've done a typo, but have a wee look at that quote and tell me, do you agree with that? God shapes the world, okay? uh, Shapes the conditions of the world on prayer. Have a wee look at that and have a think. Okay, now let's nail our colours to the mast, okay? Uh, let's, let's stand up if we agree with the quotes, right? Okay, right? Okay, let's do the first one first. God does nothing, 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 except in response to believing prayer. Stand up if you agree with that quote. Go for it. Come on, Methodists. Okay? <laughs> Those, the Methodist churches here tonight. Uh, okay, whoa, all right. Only women believe it. one man believes it. Right? Nobody else believes that quote? All right. People No? Nah. Yes, well, we'll see. Okay. Uh, secondly, what about the idea that the amount of prayer has an impact on the quality of life on the planet? Yeah. Okay. Stand up if you believe that. Okay. Wow! 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 So, uh, the majority of you believe that the prayers of uh, that prayer is the capital stock of heaven by which God. But you wouldn't go as far as saying that you believe that it's all He does. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. All right. Okay. Please sit down. Great. And stand up if you haven't a clue of either. That's why I'm standing, it's great. Okay, all right, okay, okay, okay. Now, if these quotes are true, and uh, some people in the room think they are true, and actually, uh, to be upfront, uh, I believe they're true. Okay? Um, if they're true, and it's a big if for people, let's move to the next slide. I want you to think about this. If this are true, and it is a big if, think about the repercussions in practice, okay? Think about the repercussions in practice. Think about um, your uh, Australian fire. Okay. Think about sick relatives. Think about people you know that aren't Christians, and think about the idea that if you don't pray, God will not move. Because that's what the, those people who stood up and said that that's all God does, just in response to believe in prayer. That means that. You actually are so, so, so significant in this awakening, in this healing, in this salvation, that actually, it's so important that we pray. And that if we don't pray, we're actually hampering. In fact, both quotes would suggest that if we don't pray, we are hampering the very purposes of God. Who believes that if we don't pray, we're hampering the purposes of God? Put up your hand if you believe that. Okay, right, many people believe that, okay. Now just think about that for a second. Just put, uh, my prayers could be the difference between something and something for someone. So, so let's, let's say uh, fire and rain for Australia, yeah? Heaven and hell for George. That's the sort of thing I'm talking about. Death and life for Suzanne. That's what your prayers could actually dictate. Do you agree with the kind of logic of that statement? Right? Now, uh, it's okay reading convincing quotes from E.M. Bounds and from, uh, who's that other person? John well done. Just checking your listening there. John Wesley, yep. Uh, John Wesley. It's okay reading convincing quotes, but where is this in the Bible? And is it in the Bible is a, is a really, really, really good question. Let's move on to the next slide. Uh, I just want to take you to to three different passages that I think are instructional in this particular area. Uh, Genesis 1, uh, and we're reading just verses 26 to 28. Uh, It's the moment uh, where God says, Let us make man, woman, humankind in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So man, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the living things that move on the earth. So what, is the, what did those verses tell us? We were created to do what? To have, and what does that mean? To rule, okay, to be in charge. We are given a particular role, sorry, to look after. after. Yeah, yeah, it is to look after. To master and subdue the world is another uh, translation, okay. So we're, we're given a very specific role in the management of the earth, a really specific role over all the other living things. A really, really, really specific role. We're given the kind of, the keys to the earth and told, right, you're in charge. Isn't that what it says? Everyone agree? There's no other real reading of it, is there? Um, Now let's look at Psalm 8. Okay, Psalm 8. Sorry, I cut my thumb. Very serious turnip cutting uh, uh, thing happened and now I'm struggling to flick accurately. Okay, it's a big problem. Uh, Psalm 8, Psalm 8, and we're reading from verses 3 to 8, and it's beautiful, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, what you've set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him. So the psalmist is expressing, what are human beings when compared to you, God? Like, what are human beings? We're nothing, okay? But it says this, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. Okay, the word heavenly beings there is Elohim, and dependent on context, that either means angels or God. Very confusing little word, Elohim, either means, dependent on context, angels or God. So it either means we have been made as human beings a little lower than the angels or a little lower than God. Okay? So one of the ways we're either above the angels or below them, okay? But that's the way it is. Um, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands, you have put all things under his feet, all the sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air—sorry, heavens, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. You see this? We have been given a very particular role in creation where rulers, we're rulers of the created world. Uh, Psalm 115 verse 16, listen to this. The highest heavens Belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind, humankind, whatever you like to say. Now folks, are you hearing this? God has given us, I haven't got keys, but he's given us the keys of the earth. He's given us them, he's handed them to us. And you know, my little metaphor is this. Imagine that your dad's a mechanic, right, and you're, uh, right, so let's say you're a 17-year-old girl, okay, So any 17-year-old girls here, right, your dad's a mechanic, he gives you keys to a brand new, what a 17-year-old girls drive? Fiat 500, Fiat 500 right, <laughs> Fiat 500, have you been given these yet? Alright, okay, so your dad's a mechanic and he gives you the keys to your new Fiat 500, congratulations, okay. And, and then, what's your name? Ellen. Ellen, Ellen, Ellen. Okay, Ellen. And then and then you take that Fiat 500 and you drive the daylights out of her, right? And and your dad, the mechanic, keeps on saying, now, Ellen, if that car needs a wee drop of oil, you just come and speak to me. Alright, I'll put a wee drop of oil in it for you but Ellen just plows on, goes to McDonald's in Belfast, you know, like all 17-year-old girls do or whatever, right? And, and uh, one day, it seizes up, all right? She's just ignored that light in the dashboard and it seizes up and it just grinds to a halt, right? Whose fault is that? Ellen? Ellen's. So, what, where's the support here, Ellen? Okay. Whose fault is it? It's Alan's. right? Because she should have asked the father. She should have asked the father, but she didn't. Now, does that mean that the father is not powerful enough to do it? No. Of course he could do it. He's a mechanic. But it was Ellen's responsibility. She was given the keys. She had the authority to ask her father, but she didn't. And so the thing ground to a halt. That's what I believe, folks, entirely about prayer. That we have been given this incredible authority, this incredible dominion. We've actually handed the keys over to someone, haven't we? Isn't that right? We're in charge of this beautiful garden. We've been crowned with glory. And what do we do? We give it to the first snake that comes along and tricks us into, into giving them away. That's what happens. So, I mean, it's essential, folks, this doctrine of stewardship right at the beginning of the Bible where he, where he gives us this over. Um, he, he said, I am giving this to mankind to do good or ill with the, as they will, right? And God never revokes his promises. So he doesn't sweep in and do it. You know, how does he win it back? How does he win it back? Through human agents, right? First of all, He uses prophets and priests. And then most gloriously, what does he do? He comes in humanity, in the person of Jesus. And what does that human have to do to win back those keys? Perfect life, perfect death, and he wins back those keys. God in flesh wins back those keys. And what does he say? He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And what does he do? He says, Helen, I've sorted that wee fade out for you. Take her for a spin again. That, that's what this is in my wee simple view all about. I wonder, do you believe this? Here's my suggestion on our next slide. Here's why your prayer is so necessary to the purposes of God. Though God is sovereign, so he's in control, like the the, the ultimate mechanic. Although he's all-powerful, he has chosen to limit himself to working concerning the affairs of earth, to working through human beings. Now that, folks, is a serious responsibility. Because he says, if my people, human beings, would humble themselves and pray, And then there's a bit about tomorrow night, seeking his face, turning from their wicked ways. If we would humble ourselves and pray, he would heal our land. He would heal our land. Now, folks, I always say this, and I want to say it tonight, is this life is full of mystery. It's full of miracles. It's full of misery. Isn't that right? You know, I mean, I remember a summer uh, down in County Monaghan, two friends... One really sick with cancer, another had a horrible accident where he fell off a roof and landed on his head, had serious brain damage. We prayed and prayed and prayed, like people who had never prayed before, we prayed. Uh, We met in a castle, that sounds grander than it actually is, but we met in this castle place in Armagh, and we prayed and prayed and prayed. Guess what? One miraculously healed, one not miraculously healed. One, uh, she was a Christian, so she's in glory, but the other was dancing within about six months at a wedding. Still awfully badly, but dancing nonetheless, okay? Now, there's full of, life's full of mystery, misery, miracles. So it's not as simple as you name it and claim it, or you just pray and it happens or whatever. But when God's will is there to heal, He wants us to pray his will into being because he uses human beings. He just does, I believe, use human beings. He's sovereign. He's all-powerful. But he, in his wisdom, has chosen to limit himself concerning the affairs of earth to working through human beings. That's what I deeply and truly believe. Now, uh, think about it like this. Obviously, God wants... His will to be done. He wants his kingdom to come in Donaghadee, But there's got to be some reason why he wants us to ask him for it. Doesn't there? If he he wants his kingdom to come, if he wants to give us more in Donaghadee, there's got to be a reason why he wants us to ask him. And it's because he's chosen to do it this way. I, I love this little quote on the next slide from Andrew Murray. He says, God's giving is inseparably connected to our asking. His giving is inseparably connected to our asking. Only by intercession can that power be brought down from heaven, which will enable the church to conquer the world. Are we asking, folks? Are we praying? Are we humbling ourselves and praying? Why is it about humbling ourselves? Because it's saying, God, I can't do it on my own. This is beyond me. I just can't do it on my own. I can't bring about the kingdom on my own. So I'm asking you to do it. Now, folks, we're maybe still not convinced, and it's not for me to convince you, but what I want to do is just look at a few Bible passages, okay? So you've got Bibles. Uh, So we're going to have group one here, okay? Hi, group one. You've got the hardest ones, you have to do the most flicking, I'm so sorry, okay? So, if you can bend your heads round, okay, and you are going to look at 1 Kings 18 and James 5, okay? So, this is uh, group number one, 1 Kings 18 and James 5, okay? And there's the little verses, not those whole chapters, don't worry. Uh, You guys are going to look at Daniel 9 and 10, as is on the screen. And you lucky folks have the easiest one. Just three verses or two verses? Uh, Ezekiel twenty-two, thirty to thirty-one. Okay. So is everybody clear what they're doing? I want you to look at those and see what they teach us about prayer. How are we doing, folks? Are we all right? Are we all are we ready to go? Have we got really good, deep answers? Lovely. Okay. Let's start with the hardest-working team, uh, Group One. Uh, what about what about these verses? What what are we what are we learning here? What, what what's happening? Uh, Elijah presenting himself before what's his name? Ahab, Ahab okay. And uh, it hasn't rained for three and a half, three and a half years. Yep. And, and he's to go on present himself to Ahab God says I'm going to make it rain and then what does he do he goes and what does he do does he stand with his hands in the air what does he do yeah, how does he do it okay head between his knees isn't that right and he, he prays and then it after a few sort of goes at this it rains okay and then then James for anyone who hasn't read it then James 5 is it James 5 yep uh, reinter- so well, well, interprets that for us, uh, and how does James five sort of give us further insight into that passage? What's James five encouraging us to do? What? What's it, what's it in- encouraging the church to do? Yep. Pray earnestly. Okay, pray earnestly. And what way does it support that idea that we need to pray earnestly? It says that the, the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. And what evidence does it use? Absolutely, yeah. And then it uses this story from 1 Kings, but how does it use it to make us believe in earnest prayer, accomplishing results? Absolutely. The, the, the passage, for anyone who has, is not reading this, it says, therefore confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Here's the evidence. Elijah was just a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So his evidence for praying earnestly is, Elijah, just an ordinary person, he prayed and the will of God was released. See that? That's the evidence, okay? Now let's move on to group two who were in Daniel uh, 9 and 10. I just love these passages, okay? So what's happening? Who's the main character? Really hard question. Jesus. No, Daniel. Well done, okay, Daniel. And Daniel, what's happening? Anyone? Okay, he, he prays and fasts. Why does he pray and fast? Do you know? Right, okay, yeah, very good. There's a robot over there. Okay, uh, so he prays and fasts, okay, right. And then what happens? Okay, absolutely, he sends an angel Okay, and what do we learn about prayer in this little exchange? He identified with the person the people and humbled himself and confessed their sin. Yeah. And the fact that as soon as he started to humble himself through prayer and fasting, the answer came. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Folks, you know, this is a real uh, personal one for me because Daniel reads that it's time uh, for the people of God to be released. He reads this, doesn't he? In, 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 the, in the Word of God. And he sees that. Down in County Monaghan, we kept on having people prophesy there was going to be revival on the border counties, you know, for years. And uh, we just waited and it didn't happen and we went, what a load of rubbish, okay? But you know what we should have done if we were reading Daniel? We should have heard that and we should have went right on our knees. We need to bring this in, okay? Because the will of God was there and Daniel was ready to go and pray it in. That's what we see there, right? Here's one of my favorites, Ezekiel 22. What's happening here, folks? What are we we reading there? Yeah, you're having a wee chat. Well, that's okay. You're allowed to wee chat. You're allowed to stand up and sit down at any moment uh, here. Okay. Yeah. So what's happening in Ezekiel 22? Right. So what does God want? He wants an intercessor. Why does he want an intercessor? Save Jerusalem. Absolutely. And what happens? Can't find him. What happens to Jerusalem. wrath of God. Yeah, absolutely. Now think about that, folks. Think about this really logically. Go back to the, the statement we didn't agree from, what's his name? John Wesley, right? I was going to say John Piper. John Wesley, okay? Right? Now think about this. God does nothing except an answer to believe in prayer, okay? Now think about this for a second. Ezekiel 22, God's will to save a city. God looks for somebody to stand in the gap, an intercessor, can't find one, city's destroyed. Now, can can a lack of prayer stop the purposes of God? Yes. In my view, it can. Yes. Now, folks, we're nearly we're nearly at the end here. We're nearly at the end. Um, I love this next quote if we flash it up here. Um, Jack Hayford. Prayer is essentially a partnership of the redeemed child of God working hand in hand with God towards the realization of his redemptive purposes on earth. God, you know, what, you know what it says in Matthew? He doesn't want even a single one of his little children to be lost. Not one person in Donegal D does he want lost. That's his will. And he's looking for people to stand in the gap so that his will can be done. Now folks, one final scripture before we just start to move into prayer and worship. Uh, I really love this scripture from Revelation, okay? Revelation, we're Revelation uh, 8, Revelation 8. And we're just going to read the little first part of it, Revelation 8. And think about Revelation as this, folks. This is the moment, right? Think about this, right? You think, if we say all the way God is waiting for human agents, yeah? So he's waiting for human agents, so he's looking priests, he's looking prophets, he's looking judges, he's looking this perfect God man who who represents perfect humanity and wins back the keys from the enemy, then he works through human agents again, doesn't he? Fills human agents with his spirit, and in the last days he pours out his spirit on all people, and they're the PhD people from last night preaching, healing, delivering, he's still relying on the people, okay? But surely revelation is the moment where God goes, right, I'm going to sort this out myself. Isn't that right? Is that what revelation is? It's God going, right, let's sort this out myself. Because there's no people helping, you know, the the angels to come down and the winds to come in and all these things, right? Surely, agree with me. That's the moment where God goes, right, I'm going to sort this out myself. Hands up? Yep, we agree that? No, absolutely not. Well done for not falling in that trap. Let's look at Revelation 8, right? When the Lamb opened the seventh seal... There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And then I saw the seven angels who stand before God and the seven trumpets were given to them and another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke Of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose up before God from the hand of the angel. And the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it on the earth, and there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Folks, even when God makes his ultimate move to make everything right in our whole universe, uh, he's gonna make you know Christ all in all And he's going to be seated on the throne and there's going to be no more tears and no more death and no more suffering and no more pain and no more injustice, none of that stuff. And even there, part of the recipe is he goes to a bowl which is filled with the prayers of the saints. Folks, I I just desperately want us to see... um, And you don't have to agree with everything that I've said tonight. It's not important. I'm not important. But I really want us to see that your prayers are so important. And it's only if, if is such an important word, isn't it? If his people who are called by his name would humble themselves and pray. If, if, then he'd hear from heaven. We'll leave the seek his face bit for tomorrow night. Then he'd hear from heaven. Then he would heal, heal people and forgive sins. But it's an if. And folks, it is a mighty responsibility, isn't it, for each and every one of us to call ourselves his people, called by his name, that actually so much relies on whether or not we are a prayerful people or a prayerless people. Young people, do you get this? Is this okay? Do you see this? Do you see how much we need prayer? You know, I, I worked with um, 20s and 30s in, in a church when I was starting out as a minister, and uh, same town as Brian, Lisburn, and um, we, I, I discipled these young 20s and 30s. I had to go looking for them. I just went in to see who was baptized 20 and 30 years ago. Most of them were in Australia or some lovely place or whatever, um, and America and all this. But we got a wee group together and I worked with them for ages and taught them loads of stuff. But it was fascinating. See, after three years of working with them, we had 24-7 prayer one night. And only at that point realized we'd never had a prayer meeting in all that time of information. Never had a prayer meeting. Never talked to God in any sort of sustained way. That was really challenging for me. I wonder, are, are you guys, are you people of prayer, young people? Um, all of us. If, uh, and you know, the, the question I would ask is: Think about Second Chronicles uh, seven fourteen. Think about it. if my people, who are called by my name, if they pray, I'll do these things. What if they don't? What if they don't? Remember last night what I said. I said David achieved the purposes of his generation. Acts thirteen thirty six, and then he slept. We don't sleep now. We pray now. We humble ourselves and we pray. Let's stand together, folks. And I'm going to invite the dynamic duo to come and lead us in worship. Where are they? Andrew and Carly, is it? Andy and Carly? Aha! Brilliant! Okay, folks. um, I'd I'd love... just to sing, uh, if Andrew and Carly are, can do this, I'd love us just to sing a uh, 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 bridge a few times. I just think it's, it's so helpful for what we've been talking about tonight. I um, just want to sing the bridge a few times and the chorus, and then we're going to just pray. Um, so we're singing a song called Hosanna, but the words are, heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. And then this is great. Next slide, please. Break my heart for what breaks yours. That's what we need. If we're going to pray in the will of the Father and allow his will just to be spread across this earth, we need our hearts to be broken for what breaks his heart. We need... We need to see see pain in people's lives just like we see the the way we see the, the fire alarm in the middle of the night. We need to say well, we've got to act here, we've got to pray here, we've got to rise and be the people called by his name. Everything I am for your kingdom come as I walk from earth into eternity. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can find more on your favourite podcast platform or visit our website at www.shorestraight.org.